0: All right, Tim, the question for today's episode is, does the church have a responsibility to meet all the relational needs of people who reject
1: marriage? Now, this question is not necessarily the kind of question that many people are asking, like, straight up, uh, <laughs> meaning that...
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I don't know that I've ever heard someone quite... Uh, Word it that way. Word it this way.
1: Right, right, right. So it's not necessarily a question that people are asking, but then it is an assumption that's built into the way that we actually think about what the church is doing. Uh, So, like, there's uh, many people are confronted with the reality that we're going to have a generation of people who, um, like, like significantly more people within you know a generation that have rejected the idea of marriage and children in general, and then you know the assumption that's baked into. The, like the fabric of the way that we even think about that is that we're going to have to figure out how to minister to these people, right? So right. we're going to yeah. have a lot of um, you know older women who basically they have never been married their whole life. They've never had children their whole life. It's just them. And there's an assumption there that it's just the church's job to uniquely minister to that kind of person. And then this actually shows up in just like older singles in general where they'll look around and they'll say that they don't feel like they fit anywhere within the church right so they'll they'll um, you know maybe they they're too embarrassed to go to the singles ministries or maybe there isn't a singles ministry or something it's just all awkward and they don't really want to go there but then they feel out of place in all the you know young married classes or whatever and then they feel out of place in the older married classes and so they just feel like they don't have, the, the ability to talk to people like in terms of just um, their interests are different their life stage is different and so they there's this sense in which like they feel like the church is geared towards people who are married and it's geared towards people who are children uh, who have children and then there's something wrong with that in their minds it needs to be geared towards them and it's not geared towards them so everything about the church is making them feel like isolated and lonely and you know um, awkward and you know out of place and and so then so the assumption there is just that the church needs to fix that uh, to a certain degree and then well, you know
0: what the fix is to that right
1: uh, get married
0: no you just put them all in the same room together put them on all
1: Sunday. <laughs> yeah but that would be uh <laughs> you know uh Reminding them of their single <laughs> <laughs> Reminding them of their, yeah,
0: they're they're the black sheep of the, yeah, of the yeah, church or yeah. something.
1: Right, well, so, so like a lot of this is, so with those assumptions, like there's many people who, like the church is obviously pushing singleness right now pretty heavily. Oh uh, yeah. Like in every conceivable way. And so, and then there's the expectation that the churches exist to make certain demographic um groups of people feel welcome so there's those kind of assumptions but then like the reality is that there's many people who come along and basically say hey you know what are we going to do with all these like women who rejected marriage and children their whole life and now they're 50 or 60 and they don't have any they don't have anyone right uh so we're gonna have to like the church like what is you know what's communicated there is the church is going to face some like the challenge of trying to minister to like this demographic of people who rejected god's basic design for the human race like with marriage and children their whole life and now we're gonna have to figure out how to fix that right so Mm -hmm. that's that's basically the assumption behind the question and then you know i'm I'm basically just kind of pushing back against that. So if you're asking me, well, how do, do, does a church have a responsibility to do that? I'm kind of pushing back against that and basically saying, um, some things can't be fixed.
0: <laughs> that seems like, um, what, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Some things can't be fixed.
1: I mean, just, you know, there's certain, certain things that, um, you know, I mean, I, obviously there's consequences to actions, right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, right.
1: Like, meaning, like, uh, you know, and I'm not laughing at um, an individual who is in that kind of situation. You know, I, I do look at that kind of situation. And I do think that that's sad. And I think it's um, like it's, um, it's a real sad thought to think about getting to. Yeah, the it's a
0: pitiable, life. pitiable thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But then at the end of the day, there, there are some things that you can't. Do right, so I did this. I I did this poll on Twitter. Does the church have a responsibility to meet all all the relational needs of, you know, people who are unwillingly single, and you know, it went kind of a predictable way in that way. And that that most people didn't really understand how extreme that question actually is worded. Okay, yeah. So meaning, like, it's worded in a very extreme way. Meaning, does the church have a responsibility to meet all the relational needs of people who reject marriage and children? Well, obviously not. Like that. I mean, the answer is obviously not. Okay. Like, meaning, like, what are relational needs? <laughs> well, God's created, like, men and women to desire intimacy with members of the opposite sex, right? right? So, like, obviously, like, you can't meet all the relational needs of, like, men and women, like, who have been designed uniquely to procreate and to form families and to have children and have, like, I mean, what are you going to do, right? So, like, if you think about it, like, like, if you think about it with your brain, like, I'm— I'm a man, I'm married to a woman, and I have a job to, you know, meet her relational quote-unquote needs, right? Her relational desires, you know, like the thing. So God's put me there for a reason to uh, be like the, like a close form of intimate companionship with my wife. But the reality is, like, I can't. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to meet all the relational needs of all these single women as a man,
0: Get them married to all the older <laughs> them, single men in the
1: church. All <laughs> right, but if they rejected that, like if they rejected that, then I can't step in. Right. And be that for them, right? But then there's like a real sense in which my wife can't really step in and be that for them either because she has responsibilities to people, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And yeah. so like the only – like so – Like, if you think about how companionship actually works, like this desire for companionship, like companionship means, like it has entailments. Like it means like living with people, right? Um, Like, so being like a real companion, like a life companion means I'm going to live with – like, so what are you going to do like in this kind of framework? Do you just like – take all the single women who rejected marriage and children and let them live with you, you know? Well, that would cause some problems. (laughs) (laughs) What are you
0: talking about? I see no negative consequences. Right. Well, then
1: then what do you do? You get them to, like, they have desires for opposite sex companionship, right? We'll get them to live with, like, uh, members of the opposite sex who are also in their same state. Well, congratulations, you invented marriage, you know? <laughs> I mean, but if you, you know, it's like, so what are you going to do? Just like have these celibate gay companionship relationships or celibate, like companionship relationships, like with members of the same sex or opposite. It's just like, this doesn't work. Right. So like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, and now you have all these desires to like, like women have desires, whether or not they realize that they have desires to, you know, mother things. Right. So they're going to mother their. Most of them, like who reject marriage, are going to mother dogs or something like that. They're going to find something to mother, or they're going to try to mother everyone in the church. And it's like, we don't need more mothers. We have a mother. We don't need you to be our mother. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, so you think about like desires for intimacy, desires for companionship, desires, you know, to mother people. You have guys who reject marriage, they're going to have some desire to lead that is like a relational desire to lead. Um, that is never going to be able to be fulfilled, right? So you look at that, you look at all these things, you look at the way that God's made us. He's made us like with these relational desires, these relational created purposes, right? Uh, these relational needs, and He's designed them to be safely fulfilled in the context of marriage and if and children. And if you reject that, then like you're putting yourself in a spot where you have all these created desires and purposes that you're just kind of. You're never going to be able to fully do what you're supposed to be doing with those things. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So so with this conversation, I mean, I think, you know, what's going to happen is a lot of people hear that question, does the church have a responsibility to meet all the relational needs of people who reject marriage? They're going to hear that question and then hear your answer and immediately assume what you're saying is that you should not meet any of their relational needs. <laughs> So is that what you're saying?
1: No, <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to say that not all those relational needs can be lawfully met.
0: Right. Right.
1: All right. Not not all those relational needs can be lawfully met, and not all those relational needs can be practically met.
0: Yeah, especially like the the marital relationships, and then the the parental relationships. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, so like the best like so the the issue is like when you think about the way marriage actually works and family actually works, you have a intimate like companion that you live in close proximity to you dwell with right In that way so i mean like i mean I, the best thing you can do is okay invite a single person over to thanksgiving for you or something right mm-hmm.
0: yeah adopt a adopt a
1: you, you know what i'm saying person. like what's that
0: yeah yeah i, I, mean, try I was to, saying.
1: I mean, so yeah, I mean, you invite them over to Thanksgiving, but then, like, the reality is you have different responsibilities to different groups of people, right? So, like, I, you know, with within the framework of our marriage, like, like my marriage, you know, I have in laws, she has in laws, you know, half of them get Thanksgiving at one time, the other half of get Thanksgiving the other time, you know? And so, like, you know, the best you're going to do is just try to let them try to share some of these events with you. But they can't. Share them all because maybe you're traveling one way one year, one way another year, and and so it's just like what you end up having is you're going to have people who are going to be sitting in a house by themselves, right, with nothing to do and no family around, right? Like, and that's you know now I mean, like the the issue is like okay, like practically speaking, you know, if the church feels like it has some kind of responsibility to fix it all i'm just looking at i'm just looking at them and i'm just saying hey basically hey that you, you know the, the reality is we're not going to be able to fix it all and there's some things that we can't fix um so i mean that doesn't mean that like the church family isn't a real family and it doesn't mean that the church shouldn't try to do what it can but then you know the church in first and foremost uh, in, you know part of this is what's prob- a problem with the whole discussion in general is the church is, has kind of um, accepted this obligation to tailor itself to minister uniquely to particular you know, demographics and ages and genders and everything else. And the church is a big family, right? The yeah. church is a big family, and we're a family together. And you know, if you reject this, what you need to do is reject this idea that we we exist to uniquely like minister to a certain. Demographics or you know, provide spaces for them to get together and hang out and, you know, all of it segregated by age and, you know, demographic and stage of life and all that. So you you once you adopt that perspective, you put yourself in this situation where now you have to figure out what to do with singles who have way too much time on their hand and nothing productive to do. And, you know, basically you end up like, well, we have to provide endless hangouts for these people that simulate all the things they're supposed to be getting at from marriage and children. So reject that. Like that isn't really what the church is doing, anyways. Like we're here to equip the saints for the works of ministry, and we do that by, you know, pursuing multi-generational relationships in that way. But there are some things we're not going to be able to fix. You know, that's kind of the point. And there's a lot of temptation. Like the issue is there's a lot of temptations that people, you know, face. Um, particularly when um, a-, a good example of this is, uh, passes like First Timothy five, um, and so. You know, and I tried to mention this on Twitter, and it it to certain people to describe the kind of dynamic I'm talking about. But you know, First Timothy five basically says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has uh, children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness in their own household and make some return for their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Uh, She who is truly a widow, let her let uh, all alone, uh, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayer night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead, even when she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll the younger widows for... When their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to be married and so incur condemnation from having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they should not. So I would have the younger widows marry, bear children, and manage their own household and give the adversary no occasion for slander. But, I mean, this is just an example of a passage which talks about, like, a Christian responsibility to meet the needs, like, the physical needs of, like, its members, Right? Right. Yeah. And so you have a responsibility. Hey, yeah, financially you should be caring for widows who are true widows. But then the issue is, like, if you, you know, if you have a young widow, her husband dies, and you say, hey, it's my job to meet all of your needs. Well, what's in what what's going to end up happening is you're going to, you know, finance her lifestyle, but she's not going to have anything to do. Like that's the point of the passage, right? Mm-hmm. So you've taken on that job to provide for her. She's not going to have anything to do. So, all that she's going to do because she's idle is learn to go from house to house and, you know, be gossipers and busybodies and saying things that you shouldn't say. So, the issue is encourage her to do what she's designed to do. What is she designed to do? Get married, have kids, manage your own household. Like, let her do the things she's designed to do. So, here's the issue like, when singles reject the things God has called them to do, reject marriage, they reject children, and you come along and you think, as a church, it's your job to kind of enable them to do that by trying to meet all their needs, what ends up happening is they don't have anything to do, <laughs> right?
0: Right. And yeah. so
1: then they're going to look at the church and they're going to basically say, hey, you know, like entertain me, right? Be there mm-hmm. for me. Develop all these programs for me. You Get know?
0: me out of this.
1: Yeah. Give me something to do, you know, fix my problem. And it's like, don't you love me? Don't you care about me? And like, the issue is, well, I love you. I care about you get married have kids okay <laughs> because you need more to do than what we're going to be able to provide we can't you know like the pastor can't like sit there and talk with you all day long <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, and all the church members who are busy doing the things God's you know, literally called the human race to do, like get married, have kids, manage their own household. They're all busy doing that. You are you don't have anything to do. Like, you know, I mean, you go to your work, you do your job. And at a certain point, it's just like, what are you going to spend your time with? Well, you've rejected all the other things God wanted you to spend your time with. And now you don't have anything to do. And now you're going to look at the church and say, fix it. And, you know, I, I just think there's things we can't fix and we shouldn't accept the responsibility that we should.
0: Okay, fair enough. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.